Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205-913-1720. I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back to the program. Thanks for listening again today. I hope that you're having a great start to the week, and really I hope that you enjoyed last week also. I know that I did. We had a gospel meeting effort last Sunday through Wednesday, and Ralph Walker came to us from Tampa, Florida, and presented a series on koinonia, the word for fellowship in the New Testament. It was so, so good. Kind of nostalgic for me. I heard him do that series back in 2004, and I requested it for his first time here in Lindale. I bring that up to you for two reasons. One, if you would like to listen to that series, you can go to the Lindale Church of Christ YouTube channel, and it's all there. And probably by now, the lessons are actually up on the Lindale Church of Christ podcast. But secondly, I'm working on a podcast episode for next week based on some of his content. The whole concept is great of looking at God's people as a body of which you are a part. It's important to use our gifts and skills and abilities to help people in the world, anyone God puts in front of you. But God has made special promises to his people, and he has enlisted you with special gifts to carry out vital service for the good of God's people. So I just wanted to tease that a little bit for next week and officially put myself on the hook as we will examine some really practical ways to determine your gifts and get them engaged in a way that is primarily important to our Father. Okay, with all that laid out, let's get on topic for the day. I really am trying to get these episodes back down to the exact 20-minute number that we've been doing for years, because once I start letting it slide to be longer, there's really no limit on how far that can go. Any listener who hears me preach regularly just audibly uttered the words, we know. So let's get rolling and see what I can do about that today. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, we started by comparing the Pharisees with Jesus. We featured the text in Mark chapter 2, and we noticed a massive difference between the way the Pharisees thought and the way Jesus thought, what was important to them and what was important to him. And ultimately, I was challenging you and me both to be less like them and more like him. Last week, we kept the Pharisees around for a little while longer, and we simply compared them to the disciples who followed Jesus. We looked at about five different stories. Some were parables that Jesus told, some were actual events that really showed the difference between the way that the elite thought and the way that humble disciples thought. Whether it was the Pharisee standing versus the tax collector on his face, or the rich putting in out of their surplus versus the widow in her last two mites. Maybe it's the priest and Levite who walk right by the man in the ditch versus the Samaritan who invests in that man's recovery. And then ultimately, the Pharisees in Mark 7 who had made their tradition greater than the true heart of the law, even if it meant not loving their parents, versus this Gentile woman who humbly begged for the Lord's mercy 
in order to save her daughter. I believe every Christian needs to study those comparisons, not because we are all like those Pharisees or scribes or priests, but because there is a spectrum between the priest who walked by the man and the Samaritan who served the man, and I am somewhere in between those two. And growth for us means becoming less like one and more like the other. Now, for today's study, we wave goodbye to the Pharisees. They are out of the picture. We are focusing in on several things that happen in Mark chapter 9, and they are not a part of it. I think that's significant to tell you for this reason. There are no hard hearts in today's study. We aren't talking about pharisaical, legalistic, heartless people making mistakes. Instead, all of the people we'll be talking about today are good people, soft-hearted servants. But they all have something in common. They all make mistakes. And I guess that's kind of the nature of the comparison today, Jesus and disciples comparing the two of them. We have, in fact, put Jesus first because that's where he deserves to be. And as disciples, that's exactly where we would put him. If we spent the whole 20 minutes comparing Jesus to ourselves, we know how that would go because he is perfect. Everything about him is wonderful and he is greater than all of us. So long as you know that and we're all clear on how amazing and worthy he is, I want to put most of our focus today on the fact that we are none of those things, at least not in any way that warrants greatness or worthiness or glory. Part of what I'm asking you to do today is to come to full grips with that. No matter how much you love the Lord or how soft-hearted you are, or how deeply you study to seek to serve him, you will make mistakes. You will fall short of the glory of God. You will, on your very best day, still be in need of the patience of Jesus. That is humbling and kind of scary, but also comforting. Because one of the things I want you to see today is that Jesus sees you in your imperfection, and yet his loving kindness is still abundant towards you and he still considers you to be one of his own. If we can just have this simple quality of diligently trying to get better. So in order to walk through all of that with you today, I'm just going to briefly walk you through five mistakes the disciples made in Mark chapter 9. They are not egregious or hateful or hard-hearted, but they are all mistakes that just quite honestly Jesus would not have made. The first one is that incredible moment when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a high mountain and was transfigured before their eyes. I'm sure you remember that story. Elijah and Moses appeared and were talking with Jesus. And in verse 5, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer for they became terrified. It's interesting that right after that, the cloud formed and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, this is my beloved son, listen to him. It's almost like God is saying, Peter, less talking, more listening. These three are not equal. Yes, Elijah and Moses represent something about the old law, but Jesus is greater than them both. But Peter didn't get that far before he opened his mouth and even asserted what he thought should happen. 
I'm doing some dual purpose work this weekend, so today's podcast was actually preached in longer form yesterday, and the first point on the slide was this, asserting instead of listening with patience. We will come back to this in a minute, but if you have a personality, as I do, anything like that of Peter, you understand this impulse of acting immediately, hearing enough to get to a conclusion, forming a plan, and telling everybody about it, sometimes without knowing what you're talking about or doing. Maybe in Christ's patience, he has a better plan for us. That wasn't the only mistake of the chapter, though. After this, Jesus comes down from the mountain and some disciples come to him. They were unable to cast demons out of a boy, and they were confused as to why they were not able to do it. Jesus was upset, not with their power, but with the level of their belief. He says in verse 19, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. Of course, Jesus, having a perfect relationship with God and access to pure power, was able to heal the boy instantly. Later, the disciples wanted to know why they weren't able to do so. Jesus says, it's a matter of faith. If you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could do anything. He goes on and tells them they need to spend more time praying and fasting. In other words, developing deeper connection to God. So I would categorize this as the second mistake of the chapter, and I will put all the points in the show notes. And this one simply says, failing instead of succeeding through faith. And again, just to be clear, not Pharisees, not hard-hearted, they are seeking to do what is right. But in many ways, they are finding themselves impatient or underdeveloped, or in the case of this third example, just not understanding the will of God. In fact, our third mistake is missing instead of understanding his plan. This starts in verse 9 when Jesus told them that he would die and then be risen from the dead. They seized upon that statement, discussing with one another what raised from the dead meant. A little while later, in verse 31, he spells it out for them. The Son of Man will be delivered, he will be killed, and he will rise again three days later. But the text says they did not understand this statement, and they were afraid to ask him. It's amazing how often Jesus was explicit about what he was doing and what it meant, and they did not get it. Were there ramifications of their lack of understanding of his plan? You know that there were. This is likely the reason they all abandoned him when he was arrested. They didn't understand what was happening. I would categorize that as a mistake, probably affected by their personal bias. They had this concept that the Messiah would come and lead a revolution and sit on a physical throne, and the things Jesus was actually saying did not align with their expectations. But that was not a failure on his part, but on theirs. Their fourth mistake is well-documented all over the Gospels and right here in Mark chapter 9. Verse 33 says they come to Capernaum and Jesus says, hey, what have you guys been talking about? The Bible says they kept silent for on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. You probably know how often they struggled with this. They just couldn't quite grow through this worldly kingdom concept of increased rank and honor. You might remember two of them even sent their mom in to ask if they could sit in places of honor in the future kingdom. Jesus probably lost count of how many times he called the 12, verse 35, and said, if anyone wants to be first, 
he shall be last of all and servant of all. And that's where he took the child and set him before them and said, this is what I'm talking about. We'll chat about this together at the application point here in a few minutes, but I know we all really still struggle with the upside-down kingdom concept. And then for their fifth and final mistake in the chapter, we're coining it this way, opposing instead of receiving in fellowship. This is that interesting case where John said to Jesus in verse 38, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. Now this is a really interesting story because we don't know much about that guy or the people he was with. It is probable that he is a disciple of Jesus, casting out demons by the power of God. And while John and the apostles are not Pharisees, because this really fits the kind of thing the Pharisees were known for, just rejecting anyone who wasn't with them or just like them or who hadn't been validated through them, the apostles here are still showing that tendency. You know that us and them tendency? If you're not right here with us, then maybe you're not with us. Now, I'm not saying everyone out there who says the name of Jesus is with you in Christ, but I am saying it is a mistake, rebukable by the Son of God, to cut people out who he has included. So anyway, there were your five mistakes, asserting instead of listening with patience, failing instead of succeeding through faith, missing instead of understanding his plan, disputing instead of serving with humility, and opposing instead of receiving in fellowship. Before we do a quick practical run through that for you, let me say two things. Number one, Jesus is patient and merciful. Isn't it amazing the time he invested in them? He probably should have traded them in for another batch a dozen times. And yet in John 17, near the end of his life, he prays how he only lost one, Judas, and how he had kept them and taught them and considered them to be his. I hope, if nothing else today, you can praise God for the loving kindness of his son. Maybe you're like me, and you've made all five of these mistakes recently. It is incredible to know that you have a Lord who saw that, and reads your heart, and keeps you as his, and expects better things to come. And by the way, that's the second thing I wanted to tell you. Disciples make mistakes. We are far short of where we even should be. But followers of Christ must keep growing. In Peter's last letter, he talks about self-control and knowledge and kindness and love. And he says these qualities need to be yours and increasing. And if they are, they will render you fruitful and saved by the Lord. But if we lack those qualities and we are not diligent to learn them and grow in them, then we have forgotten the forgiveness of our sins. And those sins may very well cost us everything. So it's kind of an intricate, interesting study about your shortcomings. You know that you have them. Is it okay that you have them? To some extent, it has to be because you will always have them. It increases your gratitude and keeps you dependent upon him but we must not accept our weaknesses as the final product of our walk in the Lord. 
Peter grew leaps and bounds, even while having some character traits that made life more difficult for him. And so it needs to be with you. Some of these are more difficult than others because of your character or your history. If we confess our sins, he forgives us. And if we keep growing in our faith, he is always with us. So what are some areas where you might need to grow? Let's take one more brief look at this list, except let's invert it to the positive outcome. Peter needed to listen with patience instead of asserting himself impetuously. He thought he was doing what was right. He thought he'd come up with a great idea, but he didn't know what he was talking about. Whether it's people in your life or especially the will of the Lord, maybe let's use some more time listening, asking questions and learning, testing that first impulsive idea against the real-life facts happening around you. And then we can act with the same good heart, except we can actually do the thing and say the thing that brings greater glory to God. Number two, let's reverse this one. How about succeeding through faith instead of failing? They wanted to cast out those demons, but they were not connected to God in a way that gave them the power that they needed. If you want to keep growing in your success in holiness, keep deepening your relationship with the Lord. There's a good chance that the change you need to make to get over that hurdle is not running faster or jumping higher. It's actually found through prayer and fasting. Invest in a deeper trust in God's presence and power, believing that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Number three, let's understand his plan instead of missing the point. I think we see a ton of this today in the way that people teach the word of God in the health and wealth ideas, or living your best life, or getting all kinds of things from God. The disciples expected those kinds of things to happen when the truth was Jesus would serve all mankind, offer his life, be raised from the dead, and leave this place and go be in heaven. You can track the change in the lives of the disciples as they began to more clearly understand what Jesus was really doing and the actual spiritual purpose behind all that we are. Spend some time trying to understand Jesus' plan for your life, not just your present interpretation of it. Number four, let's serve with humility instead of disputing over greatness. I don't know that we actually do that, and I've never sent my mom in to ask Jesus if I could sit next to him, but we are all affected in some way by the common cultural idea of recognition and honor and the end game of all that we do being the receiving of things from others. Do you think you need to work on that? Because I'm pretty sure that I do. And then lastly, and by the way, I can see we're blowing past 20 minutes, but it won't be by much. But lastly, let's be open to receiving in fellowship instead of opposing those who we do not immediately identify as one of us. This kind of thing is seen in the competitive nature sometimes between churches Other times I have this ironclad idea of what a Christian is that it turns out is largely based on my bias or maybe even misconceptions of Scripture, and so I label anyone who doesn't agree with me as not one of God's people. I need to be very, very careful with that. As I've said in previous episodes, I certainly don't want to stand with someone that Jesus stands against, but for me, a greater fear because of the tendencies of my own past is to find myself standing against someone that Jesus is standing with, not based on what he actually taught 
or what the truth really is, but based on some gatekeeper mentality that says, you don't perfectly align with me, so you don't align with Jesus. Sometimes an attitude like that reveals that I'm the one not aligned with Jesus. I'm really working on that, and I think this little series reveals it, and I hope that you are as well. In the end, I know that on my best day, I still have a long ways to go, but I've also grown more deeply thankful for the love and patience of Jesus, and I'm really trying to turn that gratitude into growth. In this way, even with a massive gap between us, there is still a beautiful relationship between Jesus and disciples. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. And if you're just in search of deeper Bible study or you want to share the message of Jesus with the children in your life, remember to go to creationtorevelation.com. This wonderful company run by Christians provides beautiful illustrations of scripture from beginning to end, putting the spotlight on Jesus. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.